This episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast is brought to you by On Point Pomade. Keep your beard and hair looking on point with their line of pomades and beard oils over at onpointpomade.com. Use our code BSP15 at checkout and get 15% off your total purchase order. So thanks again to On Point Pomade for sponsoring our show. This episode is also sponsored by the Bean Bastard Coffee. Head over to thebeanbastard.com and pick up any one of their delicious hand-roasted coffees. Coffee lovers will also enjoy their hand-cut and handmade espresso candles and soaps as well. If you're in the Buffalo, New York area, head to their store located at 448 Elmwood Avenue. And thanks again to the Bean Bastard for supporting this show. Brutally Speaking Podcast is proudly sponsored by Rockabilia.com. With over 500,000 officially licensed items in their online store, you're guaranteed to find something you need. Use our code BRUTALLY and get 10% off your total purchase order. Now on to the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast. I am your host, John, and this episode's guest is Phil Labonte of All That Remains, who are celebrating 15 years of the fall of ideals. Um, holy shit. I honestly can't believe that the fall of ideals is 15 years old. Uh, I remember going to the store and buying the album when roughly right after it came out, uh, I still have the CD. If you end up watching the video for this, uh, you will see me pull out the CD uh, that I still have because I am, I guess, a hoarder and I do not get rid of things. But uh, this is a fun chat. Uh, I love having Phil on the show. I know he is a, a somewhat polarizing character uh, to some people, but uh, as I have said, I think every single time I've had him on the show, uh, he has always been generous with his time with me. He is always uh, he's always outspoken first and foremost, and I think that's why he's polarizing to a lot of people. But uh, for me, when a lot of people are like, oh, I just don't like him because of this, I don't like him because of that, and it's one of those where it's like, you can disagree with someone's opinions, but it doesn't make them a, inherently a bad person, uh, and sometimes, you know, I think we forget that we can learn from people that we disagree with. Um, I think Phil, Phil is one of those people who is very, someone who actually strives to learn, Uh you know, learn about different gun laws, learn about our histories, learn about politics and so forth. And, uh, you know, you may not agree with his beliefs, but at least, and I've always given him this benefit of the doubt, he researches shit, which is more than I can say for most other people. Uh, so I will always at least uh, love the fact that Phil is is a man that uh, takes time to um, read up and, and research things. Uh, too oftentimes, people do not do that. 
Um, speaking of something I didn't even research, uh, I bought this uh, the other day for those of you potentially who are actually watching this because I'm going to throw uh, the video of what I'm doing up on the Patreon. But uh, I have a Harley and Sons, Harney, sorry, Harney and Sons organic peach uh, black tea. I saw this, uh, as you kind of have heard on other things I've been doing, I've been kind of fighting a cold. And so just drinking lots and lots of liquids. And sometimes water gets a little stagnant, no pun intended. And uh, so I ended up getting this tea. I love tea. I love black tea. I think I've kind of realized I, I cater to going to black teas uh, first and foremost over a green tea or even just, you know, a, nor a normal tea, quote unquote. Um, but this is really good because something that I've been trying to get away from is drinking the overly sweet sugared teas. Uh, and looking for something that has more of kind of a natural sweetener. Um, so with some of these, you know, black teas and some and, and infusing, I guess, some of the uh, the flavors that are in these, um, I tend to find that I like that because it gives it a little bit of that sweetness. But uh, growing up on sweet tea <laughs> as a whole makes it <laughs> a lot harder to uh, just completely go away from that. But uh, this has been a solid find. I'm going to have to uh, look up some other uh, teas that they had. I got this at a Gordon Food Service yesterday. Uh, I was super thirsty after eating enchiladas for dinner and wanted something just a little bit different that wasn't, you know, popper or Red Bull or something like that. So I uh, opted for this. But uh, also... And there's my dog. I uh, also figured it would be uh, be a little bit more tactful. Uh, you know, when we have guests on that do not drink and that are sober, uh, I like to make sure that we don't necessarily advocate drinking 100%, uh, that there are other alternatives, and, you know, that this show does kind of give a platform for some people to talk about their path to sobriety if they so choose. Uh, I believe Phil and I have talked about that previously on one of our other chats. This was a lot of fun. We talked 15 years of Fall of Ideals. We talked uh, video games, trolling. We talked uh, moving and traveling, uh, being from the East Coast, and so much more. So without further ado, this is my conversation with Phil Abonzi, and I will talk to you all on the other side of it. do another one of those finally uh one of the a record yeah oh well what, what's that like <laughs> i don't know we haven't started it yet oh so it's been a minute since we did one so. well you can call that one the fill of ideals then oh god that's my uh that's my uh um call of duty name Damn, I thought I was really clever calling this room name the Phil of Ideals, and I sent that to Amy. I was like, I'm pretty proud of that one. And she goes, it's pretty good. And I was like, I don't feel like I've seen that one be used, surprisingly. Yeah, that's, that's my that's my Xbox Live. Uh, no, not Xbox Live. Uh, maybe it is Xbox Live, too. Because it's like Activision is all the same shit, I guess. Oh, okay. Dude, it's so uh, I've been getting so mad because like I just bought the new Madden. And I don't know what the fuck's going on, but like... So I have the new Xbox, like humble brag. <laughs> the, uh, PS, the Xbox, what's that? One? Which one is it? The Xbox One X or whatever, or Series X or whatever okay. they decided to call it. So I got that like day one. Yeah. And this was the first sports game. I've been like, all right, like they had a year to finally fuck with the new graphics and what it can all do. Gameplays, there's some frustrating things about it, but I think that's just sports video games where they only have probably essentially seven months to work on it and then five yeah. months to fix the game as people are still playing it. 
Yeah. And so it was one of those like before, like 50, 50 balls, like your receiver linebackers, whatever, usually your receiver would get it. This one, like, I swear to God, a fucking linebacker just goes, I dropped the ball. <laughs> I'm uh, like, come on, fix you, that shit. Do you think it's a, so it's a mechanics thing? I think it's one of those where every year, you know, they probably take into consideration the same with like, you know, any like war zone and stuff like that. Like, oh, it's too hard. Like, I don't like this or this thing sucks. And then they try to overcorrect it. And then it's yeah. like you didn't need to go that far with it. Like there is a happy medium. You don't have to be like, all right, well, fuck you guys then, too. Yeah. Destiny's so, notorious for that. Trying it, to fix stuff. Yeah. Like they'll try and try and balance stuff. And one thing will be a little too out of balance or they'll be doing stuff like something somehow something will slip by and i think it slips by because they know that it's fucking overpowered and then they're just <laughs> like we we have fun playing it so we're going to put it out there in the world and then we'll change it later um because they're and they're ga- guns in uh call of duty they're like that there's one gun that recently got a 400 percent increase in recoil they were off by 400 percent I mean, it was good as fuck, and I loved using it. Like it was, <laughs> it was a motherfucking laser beam. It was fun, um, you know. And everybody could make one, and so it wasn't like it was unfair. But right, just like oh, this thing's too much fun. It's it's uh, it's too good. So you know, cut it down. But four hundred percent, like how are you off by that much? And actually, serious. I- <laughs> well, I mean, like. <laughs> You know, I don't know. I don't know. I, I play a lot of those games like a couple probably about a year or so ago. Uh, I got into Warzone with some friends. I had them. Uh, my wife went out camping with a bunch of friends and then I had my friend come over and then it was like took me back to being like young 20s and you don't give a fuck how your living room looks like. It's like we have a living room set up and I brought in a whole nother TV, set it on something else. And we're literally just sitting on couches with our own like 50 inch TVs playing by ourselves, <laughs> but playing together. Land and my wife came home and was game. just like, what is this? And I was like, this is how we've been playing games all weekend. <laughs> this is called a LAN party, bitch. And uh, Maybe not bitch, but. Yeah, but it was really funny, too, because, like, I realized they're, like, it's funny watching people play those. And some people be like, man, I just suck. I'm not good at this right away. And I, and I realized that I'm not the best at some of those. Like, I didn't know what I was doing. It was my first time playing that Trash. game. And so I realized I'm really good at, uh you know, driving vehicles for people. If we're doing like the parties to go rob or do whatever, I'm good at that. So I was yeah. like, this is my skill set. Let me drive vehicles, drop a pin of where I need to go and I will get us there. But I feel like <laughs> too many people, and I think you can apply it to life, don't realize that they can't always be the the center point or whatever, that sometimes you got to know your role, play the second or third and do something to be a successful team or a successful part of a team. Support roles are, are important for a reason. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you are just like if your dude that's driving can't drive, you're going to die. You're oh, gonna, yeah. Like, it just because he's he's not the guy that's fucking, you know, getting a bunch of headshot, you know, sniper shots, uh, you know, for the fucking for the uh, for the <laughs> gram or for their fucking your your YouTube page uh, doesn't mean that, you know, driver isn't important. And it goes the same thing for anything else. It's like if you're if you're not able to say my job is not what is the focal point right now. Um, so I need to step back. Like you need to be able to do, people need to be able to do that like in life. 
You know, it's been kind of funny. I've been kind of talking, you know, as we're kind of segueing away from video games into something a little bit bigger, like a bigger picture narrative, sort of. You know, it's it's been interesting kind of talking a little bit uh, with people about sort of this. And let me back up and preface by saying, so I went and saw Code Orange last night and I haven't seen them in a couple of years. And I saw them in the same room. I saw them for the first time in front of 30 people. Uh, there were obviously more people at this show than than the first time I saw them. But it was weird because I felt like it's a it was less scary and, and less uh, it was a little more sterile now. Like the sound was really pristine. They had a light show and a lot of stuff going on. Sure. And it's one of those like where I watched it and I was like I, and looking around at people, especially like during a song like Bleeding the Blur and stuff like that. I was like, I, I don't know if this band is for me anymore. Like when I saw him on the Iron King cycle, like I was like, this is like some real underground shit. I feel like I'm a part of, you know, kind of sort of similar to like when the fall of ideals came out and a lot of like the new England scene was kind of coming into prominence on a national level that you sort of felt like I'm a part of something. And then it kind of tips over. And then you're just kind of like, I don't know if this is for me anymore, but I also don't know if it's for the people who are here because when the band subsequently may have a, a dip, I don't know if these fans are still going to be around at that point. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, I think that's with any trend, right? Um, you know, I think that's, that's part of, of trends. It's, it's, if you're able to produce, produce content that people find compelling, even when it's not trendy and that, you know, that's a, a harder thing to do. Um, but if you can do it, that's how careers are built. You know, like, like, like I, I know that Lisa Loeb is still out there touring, right? Like she still does. And she does. I just saw she's in a Geico commercial. Most people don't know her for anything other than the one song that she did in the nineties. Right. You know? But she's still out there touring because she got her product in front of enough people where they're like, you know what? I like the deeper cuts and the other stuff and the, you know, and the follow-up things, et cetera. Um, but that's just, that's just how you build a career. You know, that's, that's, you have to be able to, you know, service your existing fans while also trying to make stuff that might bring in new fans. Yeah. It's kind of funny you bring that up. I had, I just put out the episode with Eric Martin for Mr. Big. And, you know, something I had kind of talked about with him is, you know, he's had a career that's essentially, I think, going on probably at least four decades at this point between his solo stuff before Mr. Big, Mr. Big continuing to do what he does. And then even kind of talking to him at the time, like in the in the early 90s, you know, he did a song on my Sega CD Spider-Man game. Like, you know, back when that wasn't that sync opportunity wasn't really prevalent like it is now. Yeah. And to see him kind of doing a lot of VO stuff for video games and so forth in a time where, you know, maybe it was, it wasn't a great paying gig, but it was something that it was kind of new and Hey, he's got some, he can diversity with his vocals. He can sound like other people. So, you know, doing like these guitar heroes, but for singers, whatever that game was called sure. yeah. and stuff like that. But, you know, and I was complimenting him by going like, even if you aren't in the limelight and people know what you're doing, you are still actively working and you've carved out such a, a career for yourself doing so many mm -hmm. things that I think that's so admirable. And, you know, is one of those that I think kind of has set the groundwork for what a lot of musicians are doing now, where, you know, you see someone like Mara from periphery doing VO for video games. You see, you know, the success that you guys had with the fall of ideals and six on something like guitar hero, kind of taking it to a sure. whole nother demographic and so forth. And, you know, he kind of, was at the forefront of all of that. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that that the the internet and social media sites make taking a product that you make, whether it be you know songs or um, video content or whatever, um, it allows you to get. Uh, you know, to get your your product in front of enough people, where if you got a quality product, um, you know, you can you can usually carve out a nice living. You know, and 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 there's so, and what is a quality product is so diverse <laughs> that it leaves room for you know just about I mean anyone. You know, like there are people out there that are making nice livings playing. Uh, you know, playing Rocksmith on Twitch and they make, you know, they make a good living doing it and they're playing music, you know, or, or people that just make videos or, 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 you know, do things with, uh, you know, established musicians or musicians that just create content themselves. It's like the, the avenues to distribute your, your, your product and the, you know, what you want to present to people, to, for them to consume, it's 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 very easy to carve out a, a living if you're producing something good, and and that's mostly because of the means of spreading it around nowadays. You know, with you kind of doing Twitch now, or having been doing Twitch for a little while now, and then even you know kind of branching into you know Patreons and stuff like that, where you're now having to, I guess, kind of commodify what you do. Um, have you always kind of been more, I don't want to say business minded, but was there ever really a turning point for you to where you kind of realized like I need to kind of shift a little bit and kind of start diversifying what I do and what I'm known for? My, my actual situation is kind of interesting. There's a lot of stuff that I kind of like gave a whole, a half hearted try to before mm. I broke down and spent the money on putting an internet connection at my house in New Hampshire. Um, I should have done it. I should have done it years and years ago, but I just never, I was like, ah, I can use my, my cell phone. And I couldn't find a company and just made excuses and put it off. And anyways, finally got it done. Um, and so the, the opportunity to capitalize on, um, on all the remain stuff and, um, in a more content creation kind of way uh, has really only presented itself in the past couple of years. And uh, I wish that I had, like I said, I wish that I had paid more attention to it years and years ago and, and stuff. Um, but, you know, that doesn't change the fact that, you know, all that remains is still a brand that's been around for 20 years. And so people know that if I want to, you know, and they, they know that I started the band. So it's, it's, you know, someone made a joke. Some dude was giving me crap on Twitter. And he said, weird. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right? And he was just, and he, he was, and he was just a troll. He wasn't like particularly bad. He was just some guy that was, you know, looks to provoke people on the internet. And, and I have a blue check and that's like, you know, come here and provoke me. Um, so he, one guy was just like, oh, at least his uh, YouTube channel is doing well because I have a YouTube channel that I, you know, again, half-heartedly kind of, you know, throw interesting things, stuff up to, you know, things up there. I'll make videos for my patrons that are, are behind a paywall. So that's, that's part of what I use it for. Um, and he, and he's like, you know, cause I, and I got like 10,000 followers on there or something like that, not, you know, and, and not a lot of activity cause I don't focus on YouTube. And he was just like, Oh, blah, blah, blah. 
you know, it looks like his YouTube channel is doing well. And I'm like, don't you realize that this is my second YouTube channel and my first one is the All That Remains one? Like, that one, like, if you're criticizing YouTube channels, I mean, it's, you know, the All That Remains one has like half a million people on it. And we have never been a, you know, an internet savvy band, to say the least. <laughs> it's funny because, like, funny. he's just like, you know, oh, Yours isn't doing well. I'm like, no. Yours no. is. Ours is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, I think like Anyways. it's it's so interesting because like I've been kind of talking and I feel like it's because like I just turned 37 like I don't even know, like a week or so ago. And it's one of those where you can't help but start kind of reflecting back on things you've said, things you've done, especially when you have something like a Facebook where it'll pop up however long you've had the the app. And I got the rid time- of that years ago. So. Right. And so it's funny that there will be times like where I'll see stuff and I'm like, God, I was such a fucking moron. Or sometimes I'll see something and I go, I should fucking listen to myself a lot more because goddamn, eight years ago I said something and I'll be yeah. damned if I'm still not going like, yeah, that's that's pretty fucking accurate. And I should have listened to myself even then. But it becomes weird when you you start trying to see how we use social media. And, you know, something I've been kind of wrestling with is. And I think we've kind of talked about this sporadically in some of our chats, but, you know, you, you talk about people coming to you because, you know, <laughs> you with a blue verified checkmark on Twitter almost becomes like an, like you're the tall dude at a bar and some drunk asshole is like, you go fuck with that guy for some reason. Like, it's just yeah. an open, open invite. But I still like I see comments all the time, like, you know, this whole trend on Instagram, it seems where people are first and you're like, first, what? Like, you're the first, first comment first post. Sure, yeah. but it's like, what value does that add to anything? Like, you None. you obviously couldn't have taken the time to read whatever the caption was. You probably couldn't take in the image or video plus the caption and kind of take in the whole message. You're so fucking quick to be quote-unquote first that it's just like, I, I don't understand what a value that adds, which is none intrinsically, but it also goes to beyond the fact of like, I go what is there's that something there's something there's something about the like the 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 underground internet kind of spilling into the like normal integrant uh, internet like that was the thing that like the chans used to have a lot. right at 4chan for those that don't know what that is yeah at 4chan <laughs> just, or 8chan or whatever yeah and those are really the armpits of the internet you know that's where people go to to it's like one step above, uh, you know, uh, rotten.com or, or, you know, those kind of death voyeur, uh, Faces which I've, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've gone to, I, you know, I grew up in the nineties. So like cannibal corpse and death metal were all gore. Like there was a ton of gore metal bands and you just kind of like, it went along with the whole thing. You like watching, you know, people get mangled in car crashes and, you know, faces of death movies and stuff. Um, so I mean, I could tell you, I could just say one word and you'll know exactly what it is. And anyone our age will, but like, you know, tub girl. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to talk about that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, I don't, it's, 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 it's the same, th- same thing. That's where it comes from. And it's like spilling out into like the regular world. I think Tumblr did that. There is doing that too. And it's like, it's spilling out into like the, the general population. So. It's funny because I feel like you are 
And granted, like you said, you're not on Facebook anymore. Apparently, you're not on Instagram, which was a surprise to me a couple of months ago. Uh, so now all you are on is Twitter, which some would say is the worst of them all because it, things just kind of go unregulated and unchecked. Um, do you I mean, feel that you kind of like that aspect of that a little more where people can be a little more, I don't want to say honest, but can just kind of be them to a degree? I mean, I don't know. I'm not sure how much. Like, I don't know what I got booted from Instagram for. Like, they never said no email, no nothing, just like gone. Um, you know, so I don't know what I did because I wasn't political on my Instagram page. Like, I would talk politics and, and opinions and stuff like that in, on Twitter, obviously. Um, but it was never a thing that I did on, on Instagram. Like, that was all, like, lifting weights, shooting guns, and, like, food that I'm eating, you know? <laughs> sometimes guitar stuff, you know, um, and funny memes and videos, but like very, almost never political. Um, so I don't know what I did. Um, I don't know that you can really speak your mind on, maybe you can speak your mind more on Twitter than anywhere else because there it's like, but even still there's like, there's like this, this tweet goes against the, the accepted narrative, uh, comments, which is, it's pretty crazy that that's what those things are. You know, it's like, uh, I've always, I've always been kind of like, Hey, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to give the government too much power because you end up with bad things. And, you know, it's like no one learned anything from the, uh, the, uh, the global war on terror and stuff. So, uh, let's, so they'll empower the government again and, and, and with, you know, greater powers because they never gave, haven't given up any of the powers they got when they started the war on terror. So, you know, uh, it's, uh, I don't know that there is a place that is better or worse on the internet nowadays. And the places that are, that are better for free speech are full of worse people that say <laughs> because they, they got nowhere to go. Like right. if, you, if, if you're like, Hey, we're the place where you can say whatever you want. All the, the edge edge Lords are going to head there and say all their, you know, say all their edgy crappy things. And then, you know, then the media is going to point and say, look at, look at all these crappy people. We can't let these crappy people say these crappy things on the internet. You know, that actually, I just literally had this thought and I'm kind of surprised it's taken me this long to, to kind of connect the dots, but you know, we, we, as you know, a society as people, a lot of times, you know, we make that comment or I'm sure you've heard the comment over the decades of like, you know, why don't we take all the killers, pedophiles, whatever, stick them on an Island and then just let them be. And, but yeah. then they won't affect our society anymore. Indirectly creating the space. Like you were just saying for like all the, like, if you want to do whatever you want to do, come here. And then it just somehow gets somehow even worse and more toxic. I think that almost digitally proves that that idea doesn't work either. Like of kind of taking everyone and just putting them somewhere else out of, out of sight, out of mind, kind of like gulags. <laughs> <laughs> Cause that's, it sounds like you're describing gulags. You I have, you know, I'm uh, trying to get back into the fight. I got to win this one-on-one uh, -on -one battle and get back in it. <laughs> so, um, I mean, you know, it, it's not a good idea um, to just, take people that are either antisocial or don't fit into the society that you have at, as an ideal uh, and cast them out. And it's not good to have an underclass in your society. Um, you know, we've seen, 
we saw how destructive that was with like a lot of the uh, racist laws in the early part of this, you know, in the early part of this country's history. Um, it doesn't make for a sustainable society, a society that can survive. Um, it also is hypocritical against the things that the, that at least our society is supposed to be built on. Um, so, I mean, I think that's, that's a terrible idea. So you have to, you have to convince people that disagree with you with arguments. You have to make a good argument and you have to have people that are going to agree to the rules of the argument in, you know, in the first place, um, which is getting harder and harder because there are some schools of thought out there that literally say, uh, you know, the point is winning the argument. So any way that you can make your opponent look bad or look wrong or whatever, that's acceptable. And if you win that and you look like you won, then you won because it, they, they look at the world as a struggle for power um, as opposed to, you know, something that you can actually identify what is real and true and, and things that have good outcomes and things that have bad outcomes. So, so just for a second, my, uh, the screen I'm actually looking at keeps like cutting out. So I'm going to move my, this, uh, box to another monitor I have and then move the camera. So I'm not, uh, staring off in the wrong direction at you. <laughs> Don't worry. I take no offense. I'm not attractive. Yeah. I'm not a pretty man. I feel like I'm this is what all the pretty. I feel like this is what all the girls on uh you know all the webcam model shows have to do with their feet when they you know trying to get the good shots in. <laughs> with the feet. Really what they what they need to do is they just get a they get microphones now and they just breathe in them. <laughs> that's what They're I like, really want to thing on Twitch. Like they're just like chicks that do they call it ASMR, and it's oh, a yeah. chick licking a fake ear, and I'm like no. And then I heard how much money she makes. And I'm like, oh, okay. There was uh, many years ago, before I was with my now wife and, and all that, uh, one of my exes, we were, she came home one day at, after working at a restaurant we both worked at. And she was like, some guy offered me money to like piss in his shoes if I took photos. And I was like, well, how much are we talking? And, and I mean, yeah, I, I would think you should have. Well, and then she was right, like, I. Yeah, and I was like, he just wants photos, and she was like, yeah. I was like, I mean, you can blur all your stuff and just see the yeah, stream yeah. and piss it on the shoes and give them to him and get a couple hundred bucks. I was like, let's do that. <laughs> if some some weird pervert wants to pay you for that, yeah, go right ahead, man. That's that's uh, that, we could have a nice dinner on that, some piss dinner. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh. I still remember kind of speaking to that. And I actually was thinking I was going to make the joke earlier. And you're like, I still don't know what I did to get uh, kicked off of uh, Instagram. I was going to be like, I remember, I think it was on fuck MySpace a long time ago. You had some photo and I think it was like either. I can't remember if it was like a photo of like your bunk, but I feel like it was just like your nightstand or something like that. And then someone's like, oh, I just love the aesthetic of this. I took it and used it for whatever. And you're like, cool. Well, I mean, indirectly, you have a naked photo of my then girlfriend or whatever. So probably not a good look for you and very weird and then i was just like and then i remember you deleted the photo and everything else and then you're like okay so i realized i outed that i had a naked photo of my girlfriend as in this photo so i just yeah. took it all down because now i don't want people being weird so it yeah. seems like collectively you've always sort of had weird weird experiences on the internet uh i mean i've never i i've never been like oh i gotta be careful what my people might say or think 
you know i mean i know like i know that i'm not like committing murder or or, or hurting anyone like i'm not out like you know, trying to screw up someone's life. I know that uh, I, I'm, I'm a pretty chill dude. So it's like, I'm like, I don't have to worry so much if I, you know, do something a little silly or bonehead. I don't drink anymore. So there, the, that those kind of instances have, have probably, you know, come down a little bit. But I've also never been all that worried about what people say about me, I guess. You know, at least not enough to be like, oh, shit, I got to worry. You know what I mean? Like if, I, <laughs> if someone if someone gets on Twitter and they're just like, you know, start railing on me, I'm, I'll be like, OK, I'm going to block you because you're just kind of a dick, uh, you know. But it's like it's never been something where I'm like, oh, if I do this, are people going to say something bad about me? I'm just like, I, I, I never really think about it. I never worry about it. So I think one of the bigger interesting things to me, you know, you, Obviously, you're, you're very outspoken about your political beliefs and, you know, you share a lot of them on on Twitter and so forth. But I love the fact that there are people that you've known, like, you know, someone like a Josta, someone like a Doc Coyle that you've known for almost the entire length of your band. So like your whole career of 20 some odd years. And I love the fact that if those people are still able to be your friends when they knew you way back in the day to now. I feel like that should speak to a bigger narrative of how we as people should be where it's like, I don't have to fucking agree with you but I can yeah. still be your friend and we can have our differences. And, and sometimes it's in those differences where we can help each other learn about a differing side of something and have a, a discourse versus a disagreement or an argument that, that speaks to, or the, the, the circumstances you're describing are real. There are people that, uh, share just a different philosophy and a philosophy where if you are, you know, if you don't have the, the opinions that they have because they believe they have the correct opinions, if you don't share their opinions or if you say things that challenge what they think or, or what they currently believe, uh, they take it as an attack and they look at it as it's, if it's an insult and, um, it's not, but there are people that, you know, behave as if, a, a an opinion that they don't like is something that they need to i don't know do something about yeah. so it's i feel like and it's it's all one philosophy it's like it's all coming from one area you know and I, so i'm not and that's as far as i'm going to get into it but <laughs> there there's one there's one group out there that's like hey we're not happy unless you're doing all this shit right. And if you don't do all this shit right, we're going to make us think about it on the fucking internet. So I just, you know, I have always at least appreciated the fact of, you know, too often now we have people who will just spout something they, they haven't researched, haven't looked up, haven't whatever, and nothing beyond a headline or some, some stupid rhetoric that they've heard somebody else say, and they just take that as fact and, and keep, you know, going forward with it. You know, I feel like at least like with you and Doc, the thing I do like is that you will are researched enough and, and have taken the time to be able to go, well, then there's this and then there's this and then there's this. And to be able to speak on it with fact. Um, and so to me, it's one of those where I don't know if that's an our age thing, since we're all I think you guys are a little bit older than me. But I mean, it's like we're all almost 40 past 40s whatever and i think 
you know, it's almost that whole thing of like when you did a, a book report, show you show where you got your work from. Go where's your yeah. bibliography to, to cite your sources and so forth. And I feel like we are that generation that still does that. And I feel like we're kind of the last to do that. But then the weird part is, is even when we do that, it's like, well, that's that's not a credible source. And it's like, well, there's okay. there's there's a motivation to be right and there's a motivation to find a I, I don't like to use the term the truth, but but a a true solution. Mm. Right. So if you're dealing with people that are looking to looking at it as a performance, the argument is is part of the point. Excuse me. I apologize. Um, the argument is part of the point. So those people aren't looking to have a resolution or to understand someone else's opinion. Um, it's all assertion. It's all about what they believe, what they think, and proving the other person wrong. That, that's, that's just one way of approaching it that some people do. And that's not – that has nothing to do with what political perspective you have. That is the way that you approach – a disagreement or a someone that has opinions that uh, conflict with yours. Um, and then there are people that, that can, you know, actually have a conversation, take what the other person is saying and, and fully believe they're full of shit and still <laughs> be like, that's, that's okay. Cause they're my friend. And when you, when I say full of shit, I don't mean like lying, but just being like wrong, right? Like you're totally wrong, you know? And, and you can, you can still look at, at that person and have a charitable view of them. And to me, I don't think that's hard, but some people do find that hard. So kind of, uh, I guess we'll kind of get off this and kind of get on to why you're actually kind of here to, to promote something. 15 years of the fall of ideals. Yeah. Uh, this, this fun, this fun thing that I, that I pulled out of my CD thing from when I bought it back Mm. when it came out. So this thing probably doesn't play anymore. <laughs> the downfall of uh, CDs after you would play them. Um, you know, it's been kind of interesting. Like I said, you know, going to see Code Orange uh, a couple of days ago, the Furnace Fest thing that just happened this weekend, seeing so many bands kind of from this era a little bit before even, and just nostalgia kind of hitting. So it's almost uh, apropos that we're talking about this record or, you know, a record from back then now yeah. with it being so heavily on my mind. You know, I remember this coming out and, you know, for me, I think the first song I had heard was uh, this calling. I don't remember if it was like a promotional single or something, but uh, because I think the actual first was that the first single that was the first single. It was the first song we wrote for the record, too. Okay, couldn't see like back then I didn't I don't have that recollection of like, oh, this was the first single because we didn't have as many like the Internet really didn't exist. You didn't have as many avenues to go. Here was whatever. So, Mm -hmm. um it's still interesting that like a song like that, because it for the most part outside of the chorus, it's it's a I mean got blast beats, it's fucking heavy and fast. So yeah. for that to be the first single, I remember being like, wow, this still sounds like all that remains from even like this darkened heart and so forth, but it it has now the kill switch kind of cleanness to it that Adam had kind of perfected over the years of working yeah. with essentially everybody, uh, and just kind of perfecting his craft as a producer. Um Let's kind of go back and, and talk about a working with Adam because I correct me if I'm wrong. Was this the first time you had worked with Adam? No, we did darken with Adam as well. 
Okay. I, I so, almost thought that, but I couldn't remember if he only did like a couple of songs or something like that. But no, we did the whole thing with him. We, we, for Darkened, we just walked with Adam and we we're like, hey, we've got like all these riffs and we don't know what to do with them. And so then, <laughs> so then we did, he shot it. He was like, all right, this is how you put a song together. <laughs> Fair right. enough. So, and then, uh, so when we did the follow ideals, we didn't have to go and be like, hey, what do we do? We had cool riffs and we were like, let's put them together like this. And so the, the most of the record was, was pretty, it fell together pretty easily with, with this calling. Like that was, you know, that was the first song we wrote with Shannon and it was the first song we wrote for the fall of ideals and we were just like how fast can you play double bass and he said about this fast i said sick that's a riff and all <laughs> it's a simple riff the riff yeah. is real easy it's just you know just blazing away on the on the e string uh and just you know da, 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 da. it's the same chords it's super simple um but it's a bajillion miles an hour and it was new for us so we were like double bass that fast sick let's do it and then the chorus <laughs> is just you know it was just a cool catchy you know chorus that that you know had a cool melody it's simple it's super simple like the song is as far as songs go in some you know some of our choruses and, and stuff like it's a couple lines and and a cool melody and that was it and that seemed like it was the one to get people's attention the, that would get the people's attention the most because we didn't know what was coming in the future obviously we wanted something that would let people know that we were a fast, aggressive band and we kind of felt like the lat, like we didn't have that on darkened. And that was the thing that darkened missed was the, the aggressive fast drums. So, you know, we were just like, Hey, the one that goes, ah, right in the beginning, <laughs> let's start that. That's, that's the one that we want to put as the first single. And that's the one that we want to set the tone for this whole record. And it worked. I got to ask the, the final take we hear of the opening vocal, how many takes of that did you have to do? Oh, the those I don't know. I don't remember it being all that many. Mm. Pro one or probably one or two. Those screams are are um I'm pretty competent when it comes to screaming. So I can just kind of usually I can get them on the first first or second try. Well, it's just always funny because like we've heard and have seen in, in countless, you know, band documentaries and so forth, and those that have worked with Adam, it's a lot of nope. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No. No. Do it again. No. Yeah. You get done and you hear in your ears. Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't tell you anything. It's just, you know, you're in the vocal booth and you just hear. Oh no. Do it again. <laughs> <laughs> you know you're like okay i guess this is i guess this is how it is now well i think like that's the, like you know having had a few different producers on it and just kind of loving watching the creation of things and so forth you know everyone kind of has their their different thing you know like you know you look at you someone <laughs> well yeah. i think hold on the best one from adam is this one right because like you're behind him and this is the one that's great That's the best one. That when when you see that face, you he he's laughing at you so hard. Like, <laughs> Do it again. You know that's the that's when you know you're really delivering peak performances. 
Well, I think it's funny though, because it's like you know my friend Josh, uh, who li- lives and works out here in Michigan, that did like you know the new Lorna Shore record has done you know countless records. Um, you know he, by all accounts, he you know he is a musician himself, likes to get in there, kind of work with people. He's kind of a producer's producer who likes to get in and help you write the best song possible. Yeah. But <clears throat> I also love that he doesn't take any of the rest of it seriously. So like when Pete, when he was going to be on Nail the Mix, he likes wrestling, so he did have this wacky ass setup that's clearly not the shit he uses and it looks like an old vhs thing and he looks like a wrestling manager and so he's kind of treating it like a tim and eric eric andre kind of looking thing and you're like i love the fact that the creation and everything is serious it it is serious to do that but the rest of it you're like this is all fucking stupid so let's just treat it equally as dumb uh you have make music for a living that is hilarious let's have fun (laughs) So I love the fact that it seems like, you know, one of my favorite things, and and to use a wrestling term, would pop me, is you would see Adam, and he would be the way he is on stage with the the outfits and so forth. And then every time I'd see him at Zing working with someone, here he is wearing like a fucking Abercrombie turtleneck and looking all suave and shit. And I'm like, you don't see that anymore, though, now. No, in California. Now it's just tank tops and flip flops. That's it all the time. Yeah. Southern California, t- he's done. He's never <laughs> shoveling snow again, and I don't blame him. Yeah. Well, I mean, didn't you move to somewhere like a lot I'm warmer? Texas. That's right, Texas. I was going to say, I couldn't remember if it was Vegas or Texas. I remember you no, saying I, you were moving to. It's Texas. I've got a, I, I mean, I still got my house in New Hampshire because the band is back there, um, or at least Mike and Costa and my family's there. And so, you know, having a place in New England, I, I'm going to probably always do. Um, but I like it warm. And I hate the snow and Texas is awesome. So yeah, I'm about, we just went to Atlanta, which is like my probably number one destination. I think if we move, uh, yeah. and I don't like heat necessarily, but I like most everything about Atlanta. And it seems like, you know, I've asked them when I go travel, I'm like, what do you guys do like during the day? And they're like, we don't go out. <laughs> yeah, it's, and it's, and the thing is it's swamp too. Like, like down in Louis in, or not in Louisiana in, uh, in Georgia, there's a lot of swamp on the coast of Georgia. Yeah. Uh, so get ready for that. Uh, the mosquitoes and that sweatiness. Yeah. And where I'm at in Texas, I'm far enough inland. I'm in the San Antonio area. So it's like, it gets hot, but it's dry too. So it's not so I, bad. I uh, we went to San Antonio earlier this year for the first time, and we've been to Austin and San Antonio. We still got to go check out Dallas just to and maybe Houston to give it the full shake. Mm-hmm. But San Antonio, and I know they kind of joke about this, but I was like, San Antonio felt kind of like Portland, but not remotely as cool. <laughs> I uh, I, sp- I mean, I spent a little bit of time downtown, but uh, I, I, I don't know that I could say that. That that's the San Antonio area feels like Portland to me. It's definitely not as cool. It's hot as hell down here, but I like it. Yeah, I think. Uh, or I'm sorry, Austin. Austin felt like that. San Ant- felt like oh. like it wanted to be Portland, but just of the South and hot instead of weird. Austin. And- it makes sense for Austin to be like that. That's that's the capital, and that's where like that's where the uh, a lot of people that are moving in from out of state are moving to the Austin area. So. It's so weird because I feel like. Even when I was in Atlanta this last time, I kind of picked up on the fact that I don't feel like anytime I travel anymore, I find true uh, natives of where we go. Like there's a couple of friends that I've made that are from Atlanta, have always lived in Atlanta. Like and you can tell right away when they start talking uh, that they are from there. I feel like a lot of times 
you know, one of the funniest things about going to Oregon was like straight up hanging out with my friend that was out there and there's someone had spray painted, keep, keep Portland local. And I was like, I would say a good, probably 75% of you motherfuckers aren't local. Whoever probably tagged that has probably lived here for two fucking years and thinks that they're, you know, local now. It's and, a, it's a weird LARPing of, of, of sorts, you know? Yeah. Um, did like in, in New Hampshire, I've lived, you know, I lived in my place in New Hampshire for a decade now, or I've lived in, in the town that I'm in. I'm, I've had my house for eight years. Um, and that just now I'm starting to feel like, okay, I can legitimately say like, I'm from New Hampshire, you know, like, and, and before this, it was for, you know, an hour South in Massachusetts, but still in the, you know, in Western mass and, and not in like Boston or whatever. Um, but you know, like just like when you move there for two years or, or when you've lived there for two years or whatever, uh, like that you're still new. You know, if, if you if you've been doing something for five years, that's still kind of new. You know, <laughs> five years is kind of new. Ten years is 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 not new, I think. But unless you're talking to like people that are sixty that have lived there for their entire life, then you got to shut up and be like, "Well, yeah, okay, I am new." Well, I mean, I think it's hard for me because I still identify as an East Coaster. Lived growing up in Delaware, although I've lived here in Michigan more of my life than I ever did in Delaware at this point. But I think because I. I still have functional memories of being like a, a young adolescent and then moving here when I was like 13, 14. There's still a lot of what I grew up remembering going through school and stuff like that, that it's like it still is kind of a culture shock at times when I see things or remember how things were different geographically. But I still maintain the East Coast is just a whole nother vibe. Uh, I mean, I can't really think of anywhere you can go where – you can travel an hour or whatever and the slang and dialect is, is so much different than, you know, an hour in another direction. I mean, like I like to joke, Virginia, it's got its own dialect and slang. Boston, it's got its own Rhode Island's got its own Delaware. It's got its own Philly John's like, I've been saying John's a lot lately. <laughs> and some people are like, John's what's that? And I'm like, it's anything and everything. And that's all you need to know about that. Like it literally, yeah. Like, oh, I'm going to go pick up the new All That Remains John later tonight. Like, but I mean, it's it's so funny because it's like other I can't think of any other area of of the states that has such regional dialect like that. Like you go to the south and you just turn the southern up. Yeah. You go out west. It's kind of more just more chill and laid back. But like yeah. being from the East Coast and just kind of seeing it like 95 quarters got a lot of motherfuckers. Seriously, you go from fucking D.C., all the way up to fucking you know Portland, Maine, and so your Mainers and your New Hampshire coastal people are very similar. Boston is and Rhode Island and stuff are similar. Connecticut, New York, and Jersey are all the fucking same until you get down to Philly, you know. Um, and you know, the, once you get out of Philly, it's it's like it, the next big thing is probably like the the Virginia kind of dialect and stuff, you know. But it, it's there's a lot of a lot of that in in New England, and it's mostly because there's a lot of motherfuckers up there. You know, the only <laughs> place that has as many people is you know the Southwest, like Southern California, like as many people in a small area, and like you know that's like Hispanic and white bread. You know, that's the vast majority of of uh, of you know California. So, um. 
I was going to try to segue back onto the record, but I feel like this is just kind of still an interesting topic. <laughs> I do like you're right. You're right. The South it is. The further you go in the South, you just turn it all. The, you turn the South up more until you hit like Florida or yeah. like not even just like the Panhandle is still super Southern. But once you get just South of of like the the Panhandle, then it's all just New England again. <laughs> they're all, they're all, it's all the Northeast. Everybody that that's down there is from like you know rochester or or fucking long island or staten island and and connecticut and they're like screw this we're going to fucking florida because the winter sucks because it does it does we uh we went to go see one of the every time i die christmas shows and a lot of the, our friends were like you're going to buffalo in the winter and i go i live in michigan yeah <laughs> so that shit's a roll of the dice, dude. Chris, Christmas shows and stuff like we used to do them like at the at Pearl Street. And then we were just, man, I don't know. It's like 50 50 as if the show's going to happen because of winter snow. And like, yeah, people, I, I don't know, man. <laughs> winter, the winter's a motherfucker. It fucking screws everything up. Listen it does. But it was really funny because people are just like, I can't believe you're going to a cold place in the winter. And I was like, it's not much different than here. Like we even went to a Bills game and people were like, I can't believe you went to a football game out in the winter. And it's like, again, it's I, yeah. I live in that shit. So it's not really like it's still funny when I go back to Delaware for fall and I'll like there's a photo of me at Rehoboth Beach and I'm wearing an eated hoodie with cut off shorts and flip flops. And everyone was like, aren't you freezing? And I'm like. Back home, it's like 10. <laughs> it's 65 yeah. here. I think I'll be okay. <laughs> 65 is, yeah, that's fun. That's great. That's wonderful. Wonderful. Weather. That's what it's been the last couple of days here after a massive heat wave for the last month and a half. Yeah, the fall is nice in New England, in, in the Northeast. Well, in the North. Um, like, and even though like Wisconsin, Michigan, uh, you know, out there, it's, if it's on the lakes, it's, it's, the weather's so similar to to the Northeast and, uh, you know, and stuff. It's not like the – I don't feel like it's the deep freeze that, like, Fargo gets, like North Dakota and stuff. But no. it can be cold as a motherfucker, you know. How long <laughs> do you uh, start just wearing flip-flops and tank tops like Adam? I mean – Now that you're in <laughs> – Fair enough. I, I wear flip-flops <laughs> around my, my apartment, like – I've got my flip-flops by the door that are my outdoor flip-flops, and these are my indoor flip-flops. So, My wife just learned why I put my flip-flops in front of the uh, AC vent. So, so they don't get hot? No. So when you slip into them to go walk in them, they're like ice cold, and it's a nice oh, little... Oh, yeah. So, okay, yeah. She put them on the other day, and she was just like, oh, Ooh. these are so nice. And I was like, why do you think I kick my flip-flops in front of the vent? And she goes, I don't know. I just always thought you were an asshole and stuck them there. And I was like, no. <laughs> I put them Perfect. here so they get cold. But yes, I am an asshole Perfect. and I put them in a walkway. But that that is why. Nice. <laughs> um, nice. You know, I kind of. So I remember around this time, too, uh, you know, kind of going back to the record. Um, and I'm really trying to remember. Dice was still in the band when you guys do this, because I feel like he was in. Of Dice no? did not do this one. No, he, okay. was, he didn't. He didn't make it. He was not. Uh, he left before we did. Um. Uh, um, he left in 2004 before we did the sounds of the underground. Okay. Then we had to struggle through sounds of the underground with a bunch of people filling in on bass. And then we got genie after the sounds of the underground. And that's when, uh, and Shannon was already in the band. 
before Genie. So Shannon was playing drums on the Sounds of the Underground um, during the darkened phase. And then uh, we did The Fall of Ideals and Genie played on that record. Okay. There's like such so much of this that like when I and granted I could have like Wikipedia it, but it's whatever. We I'll had, show I'll show it, I'll show my ass on this and just be like, ah, I was so wrong. Many bass player <laughs> issues. So it's always funny because like I feel like a lot of times people would be like, oh, well, it clearly shows that there's you know problems with the band, and I want to be like, if that was the case, then every time I die by that admission would be one of the worst bands ever because they have gone through so many bass players. I know they've had a <laughs> lot of bass players, haven't they? I mean, Nick Hippa, I remember did a couple of shows with them a couple of times. Yeah. And they had, they've had a couple drummers, right? They've had, well, they had Rat Boy. Then they had uh, Legs when he left. He did one record. Then they got Daniel Davidson from Under Oath. And then he did Low Teens. Then he left. And then they just got uh, Goose from Ex Norma Jean um, in the band. But I I mean, sometimes like, and and I think this is a, a more interesting question on this. I feel like sometimes, changing members sporadically like that reinvigorates like you know you were just telling the story about shannon going like how fast can you uh play double kick all right boom now like it added a different dimension to the band that you didn't previously have yeah do you feel that kind of i mean you want a consistent lineup because that makes things just a lot easier but do you feel that sometimes when you get some new blood in that it it just gives everyone kind of a shot in the ass to kind of be excited about things again maybe because it's a, a new experience for that person I think it probably is a, a little bit invigorating um, to have new new people to work with. I know I'm excited about working with Richardson. Um, you know, like we'll go ahead and come up with you know a couple verse chorus kind of ideas, and we'll just send them off to Richardson and be like, you know, have fun, you know, and be like, this we got a we got an idea for a verse and chorus, and here's a maybe an intro riff. And then, you know, build a bridge, build fucking solos, add stuff, you know, and I'm really excited about what he's going to do. Definitely. Um, but, but yeah, so, I mean, I think that it can, um, if they, if that's their, their role in the, in the band, you know, if they're, if they're a, a writer, if they're a creative person, you know, I think I had completely forgotten that you hadn't written anything with Jason since he's been in the band for seemingly quite a while now. Yeah. He's been, he's been with us a couple of years now and, uh, we actually just had a conversation two days ago about like how we were going to work stuff, how he preferred us to deal with the files and stuff, whether we should get a fucking like, cause you can on pro tools, you can have everything in the cloud where you, people can access it from wherever, or we can just send each other fucking a zip file and, you know, have the whole session uh, on hand. So, um, so yeah, anyways, I'm, that we were discussing what we were going to do and how we we're going to work it. And I'm excited to hear what he does because he's a, I mean, obviously he's an, a, an incredible musician, but like his technical ability is, is, you know, second to none. So I don't recall asking you this at the time, just cause I was trying to keep a lot of the Jason questions at bay. Cause I knew you were probably fielding so many of them and all the press you were doing at the time. Sure. With the space and the scene that Jason came from, you know, with, you know, bands like Born of Osiris and so forth, and then kind of what he, how he exists, you know, with his like, you know, YouTube channel and stuff like that, has, have you noticed that that's brought a different demographic or a different type of fan to all that remains since he's been in the band? Um, I don't know. I mean, 
I don't, I, I don't know for sure, like how many people, uh, I don't know that there's any way for me to know how many people check us out because they heard about us from Jason, um, or vice versa. But I, I'm sure that there are plenty of people that are more casual, all that remains listeners, uh, that will check out Jason. Um, because Jason lives in a world where you have to be interested in really progressive technical music to, you know, and, and that world is obviously got some of the best players and, and some of the most interesting critics, I think, because they know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. And that's not like, that's not like being a, you know, they'll tell you that I don't, if they don't like something or if they're criticizing it, they'll tell you and they'll tell you why, as opposed to, you know, someone that's, you know, just a, a casual listener to music that says, well, I don't like the way that this sounds or that sounds, or I don't, you know, it's, at least the criticism I feel like is from someone that knows what they're talking about, as opposed to just someone that tells you what they think about something. Everyone thinks something. I don't give a shit what you think, you know, <laughs> like I want, I want to know what, like if there's, if there's an actual, like, you know, serious musician, that's like, Hey, this is, this could be better or that I don't like or whatever, then fine. Cool. I respect that. But you know, just because TJ found a webcam doesn't mean I give a shit what he likes. and doesn't <laughs> Well, I think it's it's so funny because it's like having, you know, had some of the periphery guys on, I always would get so nervous, especially talking to Spencer because he was the first one I had gotten to talk to in the bin. And it was after they had done the Hail Stan record. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I, I know. Them. And I was like shitting bricks because I was like, this band is so important to their fan base. Like if yeah. I don't, if I ask a stupid fucking question or like whatever, I know I'm going to get fucking roasted. And thankfully I haven't gotten any bad comments on any of the stuff that I've done with any of the dudes. Like, but it's one of those, like, I think, cause I have a healthy respect for it. Like I literally went to my friend who is one of those, you know, super big periphery fans is like, I remember music like this. this Yeah. Kind of. But he also is a musician. Sort of like you were talking about where I long it, like that dude can fart out better songs than most people would try to sit down and write. Unfortunate, like to the point, and I'm going to put him over. He tried out for uh, one of Carly Coma's side projects and basically was offered the job. But Carly's like, look, you're diabetic. You live in another state. Da, 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 da. So it's, if you want it, the gig's yours. But prob like I would hate for you to completely uproot your whole life for this thing that's probably not gonna be a th- much of a thing. But I mean, I think that like if you for those who don't know Candiri or like how insane that fucking band is, like I think that speaks to the level of playing that my friend is is capable of. Uh, yeah. So it's one of those where I highly respect him as a musician. And so when I was like, okay, I'm talking to these guys, like fucking school me, give me anything that I, that should, would be interesting that you would want to hear talked about or whatever. Um, But I think that's the other thing is I at least have the healthy respect for things, even if I'm not super knowledgeable on them to go, I don't know everything. Let's go find someone who does and then kind of glean what I can from them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I mean, that kind of does bring us full circle to the, to the first question that you had, but like, that was one of the things that, one of the reasons that all that remains exists as a band is because, you know, we were smart enough uh, to go to people that were smarter and say, <laughs> Hey, the, this is, this is our idea. This is what we want to do. Can you, you know, can you help us get there? And that's really, you know, that's all it is, you know, uh, 
Cause there, I mean, there's, there's an amount of talent and sure there are people out there that are super talented and they can go ahead and, and sit down at a computer or DAW and, and do a whole fucking record. Right. So there's super talented people like that. Um, but not everybody in the music industry is like that. Um, some people are just like, well, I've got, you know, these ideas and how do I make these into the song that I'm looking for? And, and there are, you know, there are tons of musicians out there that you can work with or uh, producers that are like, Oh, I know how to, you know, help you come up with or help you achieve your, your goal, you know? Um, and, uh, you know, the, having the ability to go ahead and say, um, I trust this person and I'm going to listen to them because there's, and the reason I say this is there's so many people out there that go and spend the money or time or effort to get with a producer and then they fight with the producer, you know? And it's like, why are you, why are you spending all this time and effort to go to this good producer? If you're not going to listen to this good producer's ideas, which right. is fine. Like it's fine. If you don't want, if you want to do it all yourself, that's cool. Why are you going to go and waste everybody's time? by going to the producer and giving him money so that way you can tell him <laughs> how your song should go. And yeah. He'll do it for you, I'm sure, because he'll yeah. be like, oh, this is an easy paycheck. Put that check in my hand and you can go ahead and walk around the, the control room and bark at people for eight, ten hours. I don't care. I got the check, you know. <laughs> but... You know, when someone and listen to the answer, when you guys had kind of, you know, you know, you're talking about on this dark and heart, basically going to Adam and being like, here's a collection of stuff and riffs, help us formulate and write songs. When you guys were coming in with this, like writing and pre proing basically and demoing what would become the fall of ideals, did you have a sense of like, this is such a, I don't want to say a giant leap, but this is such a, a it's, you know, because you were talking about like something like this calling with the chorus, like that was kind of what was missing on this dark and heart, like kind of the, the, the yeah. bigger choruses and so forth. When you're writing a record like this and you're kind of in the infancy stages of it, does it feel like it's already going to be something special, something bigger and what it would kind of become? Or was it still too early in the process to kind of see that? Yeah, it's er like when we're starting to write stuff, it's early in the process all the records kind of look the same at, at when you're starting to, to write, um, you know, your ideas and, and get your demos and stuff together. Um, once you get your demos together and start tracking stuff, um, then you can start to see if it's going to, you know, start panning out the way you wanted it to. Um, and so I didn't really realize it until Adam, we, we were getting close to the end and Adam looked at us and he's like, this is a really good record. He's like, you guys, <laughs> you guys did something really good here. This is, this is going to come out really good. We're like, Oh, sick. That rules, you know, like, wow, cool. Um, so yeah, you know, you, you, you do the best with what you, you have the ideas that you have and try to make them as, you know, flesh them out and have them come out as good as possible. Sometimes things go, sometimes things come to fruition. Sometimes they don't. Um, and so sometimes, half a record comes to becomes the way that you want it to come out. And then the other half doesn't quite get there. Sometimes you get like two or three songs that are sick and then you feel like the rest of the records meh. Sometimes you get a record, you know, that has, uh, you know, a good balance, but none of the songs are like really huge standing standout songs, you know? So, you know, 
you, you, you do your best and, and hope you can make stuff that, that is compelling to people. What was the reaction when you turned it into the label? I mean, everybody, everybody said they liked it and, and, but I feel, I felt like that's what everybody says all the time. So I'm not going to mention your label is not going to be like, oh, this is it. Well, I mean, I guess your label might be like, oh, this isn't good enough or whatever. When like once, but the thing is they don't start doing that until you've already done something. You have to get their attention. So like we did, we did the fall of ideals and that came out after the fall of ideals and then overcome, then they were like, Oh, we'll pay attention. And then people have ideas. That's Mm -hmm. when the label, like, you know, that's when you start getting people that are like, Oh, I think we should do this. And I think we should do that. And you're like, where the fuck have you been? (laughs) Like, what do you you mean? You, you have done nothing. You've, you haven't worked with us at all up until this point. Now you're, you've got a new job, a job here and you have ideas. Cool. Go away. (laughs) It's just kind of funny because I, I, I know a lot of bands, especially with the advent of podcast being popular and getting to do more of these where you're able to to talk about the recording experiences, uh, possibly relationships with management, you know, labels, whatever going south, um, which is nothing new. Honestly, people have been talking about it for decades, but I think people are being more vocal about it as it's kind of currently happening. But it's one of those like, I mean, you know, like I had a conversation with uh, someone yesterday and you know, they're on, they're in a big band. Uh, they are working on a new record and, you know, they were talking about how, you know, they're doing their, their stage plots and stuff like that for their upcoming tour. That's going to get announced. And then I was like, so we're getting an, a record announcement. Cause I know seemingly you're done with that. And he goes, no, we put in our two singles and the label was kind of like, mm, what else you got? And then so he was like, so we're, we're submitting the rest of the record and maybe we'll have to go make some tweaks and stuff like that. And I was just like, man, it's it's that side of shit that just gets so interesting that it's like, like you said, it's like, and to this person, I had even made the comment. I was like, you guys are kind of such a DIY kind of band. Like you guys record your own stuff. Like you do your own thing, okay. producers, all that kind of stuff. And you've clearly had lots of success and like radio success. So I don't understand why a label would then come to you now after, you know, a couple of records and having the success that you've had and and the great touring success that you had to then kind of be like, "Eh, we're going to kind of fuck with the formula a little bit and and kind of offer our advice. And it's like, why? It's worked so far. So why? Why deviate? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But uh, yeah. (laughs) that is uh god so i I know we've talked about the the guitar hero thing how did that even how did that happen like was that something that management had you have no idea how they even approached label said hey we're gonna get you guys on a on a video game and i was like that's the sickest thing i've ever heard yes fair enough they were just like i was like what song they're like six i was like well that's a surprise but that's still the coolest goddamn thing ever awesome I'm super excited that we're going to be in a video game. I can't believe that. So fair enough. I, I didn't know if there was kind of more to it or if it's one of those where I guess technically, since they probably own the, this pub and all that kind of stuff initially, or a lot of it that you're just probably yeah. like, Hey, like whatever sync opportunities, we already have yeah, that yeah, built yeah. into our contract. So you do whatever. Fair enough. I wasn't sure how that really broke down or if it was even like a, well, it's between, this or this or we want something a little bit more accessible or or whatever 
No, they, they, uh, because Guitar Hero 2 wasn't looking for, I mean, they weren't looking, they were looking for hooks. They wanted songs that sounded cool, but they weren't looking for vocal hooks. They were looking for guitar stuff. That's true. So they, you know, I didn't know what, I had never heard of the video game before they said, hey, we're going to put you guys on this video game. And I was like, cool. Uh, and they told me it's like they, there's a special controller that you can play the play along with the song and blah blah. blah. I'm like, well, that sounds cool. And then when I found out that like it was the second hardest song on expert on the game, so when kids wanted to finish the whole game, they had to drill that song into their head. And you know, it was a huge, <laughs> huge opportunity for us. It was great, you know. Yeah, I think it was <clears throat> interesting to see bands like you know, you guys every time I die, and you know, kind of I think there was I feel like there's a shadows fall song on there too that it was just kind of interesting to see like again the the kind of that mid or not midwest that's where i am the uh the yeah the, the mass kind of scene or like the east coast scene yeah. being strongly represented like i still just am so enamored with with that as as an idea because it's like the only other time i've really ever seen a, a true coastal versions of the same kind of scene is hip-hop you know where you had your east yeah. coast hip-hop and you had the west coast yeah. and you know something that I, you know i had asked this uh, with travis from a trail a while ago so i kind of pros it to you is it weird that your local scene or what is it like when your local scene essentially becomes the national scene um it was cool excuse me the thing is like all that remains kind of got in at the buzzer Right. Like all the bands that were going to be something just about all the bands that were going to be something from that scene really had gotten their feet on the ground by 2006. So like when we put out the fall of ideals, like we were like the very tail end of the like the metalcore thing. You know, we had some stuff that we were doing. Obviously, Darkened was going we were touring on that when metalcore was was really popping off in the first early part of uh the 2000s um but then by like 2006 2007 metalcore was starting to jump the shark there was you know that tv show that mtv was putting together looking to make a metalcore band and and those all the bands that tried out for that had some level of of success and 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 stuff like that so that was kind of going on um and so for us, it was as soon as we people started to to notice us, we were like, we have to make some kind of change that's going to set us aside, set us apart from everybody. Um, you know, some bands, some bands use, you know, makeup and theatrics and stuff. Some bands, uh, you know, do try to write, you know, try to out heavy each other. We were just like, we want to write songs that people are going to remember, write hooks, write, write choruses that people are going to dig write hooks and if people dig the hooks if people remember the chorus like that'll be uh that'll be a thing that people are going to get into and you can i mean it worked for it works for kill switch everybody loves their their hooks and that's the people love singing along and stuff so <clears throat> i think if you write good songs and i think the foundation of a good you know metal song or or whatever is is a good hook that's something that's going to be memorable that people are going to walk away humming you know I just feel like it's interesting because it's like, you know, for me, you know, you even go back like a few more years before that. And it's like, I mean, shit, you look at like blood has been shed was almost kind of proto gent essentially. Yeah. 
And then you look at, you know, bands like Dead Guy and stuff like that. And it's just like there's there's so and then the East, literally the old school East Coast hardcore scene and stuff like that. And it's just Mm -hmm. it's so interesting to just kind of see how there was that. I'll call it a 20 year stretch, really. But where it's just like East East Coast hardcore is like one thing, like it just is a beast unto itself. And then kind of speaking, you know, when I've talked, I like had James and some of the 18 Visions guys on and so forth. That it's like, you know, I made the comments and I was like, what was it like your first time coming out east? You know, because like you guys had your thing going on in like Southern California that was, you know, exploding. And then very much the same, like the mass scene where it's like, okay, there was 18 Visions. 18 Visions begat bleeding through, bleeding through, you know, and you just had like all these bands apart. And I was like, so, I mean, what was your first experience coming out east and so forth? And he's like, oh, I remember, you know, because we were fashionable, whereas, you know, the East Coast was more blue collar-y kind of looking. And he goes, Mm -hmm. and I remember all of us getting called faggots and getting spat on the first time coming out here. He goes, but then we'd come back the next time and everyone looks like us. Yeah. And then so it's like it's it's interesting when you kind of have like that cross pollinization of of sounds once you're able to kind of start getting to either coast and and seeing what else is out there because, you know, it proto the internet so if you didn't have tape trading or whatever like or comic yeah i mean you know like you know the the boston scene and the new york scene like there wasn't a whole lot of any and and obviously connecticut and stuff and it's like there wasn't a whole lot of theatrics in new england and that that you know that went into even bands like you know bands like all the remains bands like shadows fall bands like kill switch engage there wasn't you know, they're not putting on outfits and makeup and doing their hair and, and stuff like that. Um, it was very, it was a very blue collar kind of thing in new England, you know? So, um, and I remembered, you know, when, when people were talking about the, the eyeliner and, and stuff like that, you know, it was like the guy that people were like, you know, people were, were very derisive of it. They were just like, Oh, whatever, you know, and, and had some non, not, choice things to say uh about the bands and stuff but it didn't last very long because they were all like actually coming up with with good music you know what i mean like um 18 visions and 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 bleeding through and stuff like they they were you know right at the peak of 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 the scene at the time that they were they were in you know so is it weird to think about a time where you had, I don't want to say divisive scenes, but you had such distinct sounds coming from coast and there wasn't really much uh, like of the Venn diagram kind of, of like, here's kind of the cross section of all of us because we were separated by thousands of miles. You know, that's, it is weird how like this, because it was a lot of the same bands that were influencing, you know, a lot of European metal bands were influencing the As Lay Dying guys and the, uh, the dudes in, in like you know, like we said, like bleeding through and, and the West coast bands and stuff. Um, and so it's interesting to see the way that those, uh, that those influences, uh, impacted different, you know, kind of the different coasts and stuff, because, and I think this is representative of California, the punk, the punk influence in California, um, was more prominent than, than, or at least the punk rock, influence in California was the most prominent kind of underground mix with the European metal. And then the hardcore scene in the, in new England mixed with like the European kind of, kind of metal. So you could, you could see those two flavors, I guess maybe is, is the way to say it. Like 
you get hate breed is is all hardcore attitude and a lot of metal riffs right like they they're they're a very metal sounding uh you know hardcore band um yeah. whereas there's a lot of a lot of metal a lot of metal bands that came out of the west coast that had it had far more punk rock influence and you hear a lot of the the strummy stuff and two-step stuff coming out of uh or at least a lot more of it i feel like out of, out of southern california so it's just always interesting to kind of be able to to now go back and kind of talk to some someone like yourself who's a little bit older than me and can kind of recall going to shows and kind of seeing more of that where it was like this is kind of all we knew and then here comes you know the yankees coming from somewhere else and you know they have their own take on essentially what we've been doing quote unquote and i, I kind of actually as you were talking about you know kind of the influences uh geographically do you recall, and, and maybe not at all, but do you recall if like the Florida death metal scene kind of had really ushered its way up to the East Coast at all? The thing about the Florida death metal scene is it actually came from Buffalo. Cannibal Corpse. <laughs> Cannibal Corpse moved to Florida. And like, at least from, you know, Cannibal Corpse started out in Buffalo. And until the, until like what, 93, they moved to Florida. I think it was something like that. Something like that, yeah. It was by the time the bleeding came out, they weren't in Buffalo anymore. And that's when I feel feel like I know there were Florida death metal bands before then. Um, but maybe that's when I started paying attention to the Florida death metal scene. So that could be just my impression of it. Um but um, you know, I, I didn't I feel like the Florida death metal scene was before the metalcore scene. No, um, for sure. You know. So I'm not sure. I don't know how much they influenced the that stuff, but I mean, I know I was influenced by like Cannibal Corpse and Grave and Entombed and, and death metal bands. You know, that's that that was the stuff that I was listening to when I was I was a kid. It wasn't it wasn't the hardcore punk bands. It was the the you know the the your suffocations, your your you know your Cannibal Corpses, your. Uh, you know, general surgery and, and immolation and deicide. I loved, I still love deicide. Um, you know, I actually, I just, just followed deicide on the All That Remains Instagram account. I saw them. They made like, they just made, they just made an IG for <laughs> deicide, I think. Um, so I was like, Ooh, Glenn Benton and deicide. Click follow on those dudes. <laughs> funny enough. It's so funny to, you know, I obviously, you know, with George, uh, Corpse Grinder, you know, doing a lot of, you know, these things and just seeing how he is as a person. It's so funny now to just see the like the duality of there's what you see on stage and, and the voice you hear. And then there's the person. And for yeah. a while, I feel like. I mean, my biggest gripe with the death metal as a whole was I was always and it was almost like a badge of honor that it's like. It can sound good. Why won't you let this sound good? <laughs> like I famously it had sound a good. Why don't you want it to? Like I famously had a. I can't remember the guy's name, but the drummer for uh, Dying Fetus because their uh, yeah. their last couple of records, like especially Wrong One to Fuck With, I was like, God damn, this sounds so fucking good. Like why? And I even made the comment to him. I was like, I'm. I know of a lot of dying fetus stuff, but I was like, really, I've become a fan of the band in the last few records because it sounds good. 
And I was like, I know that's it sounds like a backhanded compliment. I don't mean it to be, but like that's always been like my biggest point of contention with death metal is like same with punk. Like it just I know like some people purists are gonna be like, oh, but it's pure and it's raw. And it's like, yeah, but spend more than two dollars on this fucking record, please. So it, I can I, hear it. I don't want to hear your mistakes. Yeah, there's a right. There's right. And there's wrong. I don't want to hear your mess ups. You're in a studio. You can yeah. literally sit down and play it like I don't want to hear slop and mess and, and you know, errors and stuff. Make it sound good. Yeah. Do it right. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. Just, like I, I mean, said, the best one, the best one was where like the hands go up and you don't know what's going on. And then it, you just see the profile with this <laughs> dying laughing at you. Oh, okay. I guess I got to do it again. Dick. Well, actually, that's a good question. So, there's a documentary, which I don't know if there's a link for it out. What I asked Amy for it, she said she didn't have it. So I don't know if it's finished yet or not. Is there going to be a lot of in-studio footage? Are you guys recording this? Like, do you have not that in, stuff? Not in studio. Well, I mean, we've got we've got some footage. I haven't seen anything yet. I We've shot some interview footage. Uh, me, Mike, Jason, and uh, Richardson. And and, um, and I think we got, uh, who else did we get? We got Shannon. He's going to be talking a little bit, which is super cool to hear his, his perspective. Um, we're going to have some people from the label and, you know, stuff like that. So Adam, talking about the fall of ideals, Adam D is on it. Yes. So it's great when he, he always does. Cause it seems like sometimes like when I've seen him on like the under oath ones and stuff like that, that was actually why I like kill switches uh, set this world ablaze. Cause they had all of you <laughs> on to talk about it. Cause it was almost like, look, there's, this is the second record. There's not really a whole lot to, to really talk about. So yeah. let's just make this fun and kind of whatever. And I remember like one of my favorites, I think it was like Keith uh, from Eated was just like, yeah, every time I dance, it sounds just like Kill Switch Engage. So if you like Kill Switch, you'll love Eated. Go buy our record. <laughs> Unless you don't like Kill Switch Engage, then don't buy that. We sound nothing like them and you'll love our record. And I was just like, yeah. it seems like everyone's just having fun doing something and kind of equally as surprised at the success of, you know, their friend's band. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, it was the fact that, that, that happened and we were a part of it is uh, it's really cool. You know um, it's really more than I had ever kind of hoped for. And the fact that, you know, I'm still doing it, you know, we're about to start our 10th record and, and, you know, we still have people that come out to our shows. I mean, you know, people still care. It's, uh, it's, it's one hell of a blessing if, if you're into those kind of words. <laughs> also like the fact that you guys still take the time to play stuff from all facets of your, your career. I mean, you're not going back to like, I don't, I don't recall the last time seeing you guys going all the way back to the first record, but I know you still play stuff off of this darkened heart, um, yeah. and stuff like that. So I love the fact that even though you've had more success with some of your more recent records that you still will go back and, and pay homage to like the longtime fans that are coming and checking you out. Yeah. I wouldn't try to play a show where we didn't do uh, this calling in six. I feel like that would go poorly. <laughs> I think people would be upset. Are you guys again, there doesn't, I haven't gotten a lot of information about what's, what's going on with this 15th anniversary edition. Are you guys, remastering it remixing it or anything or you uh, just, just re-releases on vinyl and stuff um okay. you know we're, we're not doing a, a, remac, a remix or remaster um but there's vinyl like i said there's re, re, remixes on vinyl and there's uh 
we're going to do we're doing merch and stuff that you can get on our website and we're going to have a tour coming next year i don't have the dates yet but it'll be shortly there's a documentary on it so we'll have we'll have more stuff to be announced but part of our our part of our the slow release of stuff is because of covid and stuff it's just taking longer to get things done and etc you know what do you mean do you mean things are being affected by the pandemic yeah a little bit Oh, weird! Surprised, right? Uh, is that, have you have you resold your vehicle for uh, probably ten thousand more than it's actually worth? I don't know. I mean, I haven't done that, but I I've heard people talking about that. I know. I, I mean, if someone wants to buy my Jeep for thirty thousand dollars, I'd be kind of sick. I just saw that if I were to sell my car that I bought two years ago, which is still only a twenty sixteen. I can still get <laughs> about what I paid for it. Actually, a little more than what I paid for it initially. Wow. Because they Sell just didn't get a new one, then it's kind of what, it, what we're actually talking about doing that. My wife and I, because she was like, Well, if I turn in your car, we could trade it in for something newer, and then we can yeah. take my car, and then basically, da, 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 like, we're, so we're trying, you know, you're doing that whole adult thing where you're starting to look at your finances, going, like, All right, yeah. well, what can we Growing do? Growing up, people, you know, that's stupid. <laughs> yeah, it is. I just want to sit around and watch football and play video games and yeah. Beat yeah, I, I end up doing things like practicing piano now. How is that going? It's fun. It's cool. Like, um, I don't I don't know how to play anything. I can play chord progressions, but I don't know how to play like anyone's song because that's not really why I want to learn how to play piano. Are you I'm not, wor- not worried about being able to play like, you know, cover songs? I want to be able to write stuff. And, and so are you like going through a teacher and learning that way or just online classes or just nah, the internet, man, there's, there's, there's plenty of information on the internet. It may not be as organized as if you go to a class, but you can learn just about anything on the internet. If you really want to <laughs> sincerely, like you, you can, you can, you can find books and stuff on just about any kind of, you know, especially if you're dealing with like history or, or, or me- mechanical things like electrician, like doing, I wouldn't redo your house, but I, at the same time, <laughs> my, I, I say that, but at the same time, my homie like sat down at his house and a, and a wiring book and learned how to, and wired his whole house. He bought an old, an old house and he was like, Oh, I'm going to redo this. Sat down for a weekend with the wiring book and with the fucking, you know, stripped out all the wires and redid all the wiring in his house himself. I, I often, he's not he's not particularly gifted. He's not stupid, <laughs> obviously, but he's not like, you know, I wasn't like, holy shit, this guy's brain. How does he fit in his head? You know, so. <laughs> I, uh, I, I have this. I've been thinking a lot more about, you know, with the pandemic and with a lot of kids getting homeschooled and a lot of parents seemingly, you know, the, the joke is now even with like, I think it's called common core math or something like that, where. The math as you and I learned it 20 some odd years ago or 30 some odd years ago is not how kids are learning how to do math now. Like you and I might get 10 plus six equals what? All right. 16. Don't really got to show the math necessarily. And if you did, it'd be like, okay, six. Yep. Drop down the one. Boom. There it is. Or if it was like something where it's like, all right, 15 and six is, you know, 21. All right. Well then add the two Da da da. that becomes this. So that was how we learned. And now it'll be like, okay, so you have 10 and then six. And like, it's just like this whole stupid way of doing it. And you're like, like I've seen videos where someone was comparing like how someone was doing the common core math or whatever. And they literally start like, 
walk off camera. It shows them making a sandwich, doing all this other shit and then coming back and then just writing 16. <laughs> <laughs> like it's, it's not that hard, but it's one of those where it's like, okay, I guess it like explains it a little bit differently or whatever, but it's been making me think more in light of the technology we have and the ability to learn the way, like you just said with the piano, like we're, you can go on the internet, your friend learned how to wire a house from the internet that I feel like those of us who want to learn have the capa- have the capability to to read and understand and comprehend that I don't really feel like traditional schooling really needs to to be a thing the way it is. I feel like there need it should schooling now should almost be more of like a, a giant life skills like place to learn. Like here's how you learn to like fill out a, a fucking rental agreement. Here's how you learn how to do your taxes or find someone yeah. and here's how you learn to like potentially read contracts and stuff like that. See, that kind of stuff is out there on the internet. If parents take, you know, an interest in, in teaching their kids, those things, the resources have never been more plentiful and more available. Um, but it still takes a population of people that want to teach their kids, those things. Um, it's feasible that there could be demands that those become curriculum in, uh, in public schooling, um, which I'm personally, I, I, I'm not a fan of public schools. Um, <clears throat> but if they're not going to be taught in public schools, there are more resources available to parents, uh, at this point in time than there ever been, than there ever have been in human history. Parents have never had the ability to teach their children more things than they do at this point in history. Um, so it's up to so parents do it. You know, if you if you want your kids to know things, teach them. You yeah. can show them how you can you can find the information on the Internet. All it takes is a little bit of I want to do this and do it. So don't complain about what people don't know if you're not teaching your kids the things that you think they should know. You know, don't leave it in the hands of the state because the state's going to teach them what the state wants them to know. I think one of the biggest eye-opening experiences like that that I, I recalled recently <clears throat> was I think it was like sixth grade. We had to come up with a budget. Like they gave us a, a flat amount of money each person. You had to find a ho- like a apartment. You had to buy groceries. You had to do all these things. Sure. And I remember my parents helped me, and they were like, "Oh, well, because you and you also again providing sources had to clip out whatever it was that you found. So if you found an apartment, you had to find the newspaper article where you found it." paste it into your thing. And then this is like how much I make. This is da, 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 whatever. So I remember my parents like, Oh, well this person, (laughs) these utilities are included. You don't have to pay for this. Like, there you go. I ended up getting like a C on the project because apparently I didn't quote unquote, follow the guidelines. And my parents were like, what the fuck? A real responsible person would realize that that's not enough fucking money to like do anything or live so why wouldn't you look for a roommate and or look for a place where you some of your utilities are already included? Like, that's how the real fucking world works. And yeah. I look back on that now and I'm just like, it's interesting that I got a bad grade for doing something that ultimately would lead to me bettering myself in a financial situation. My financial situation yep. kind of makes you think a little bit when you kind of go beyond that, that you're like sort of pre-taught that it's like, no, that's wrong because you didn't follow these guidelines. And you're like, well, that's then I wouldn't survive. Is yep. that, the, that the ultimate goal is that I'm not going to survive? 
<laughs> it's 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 not to teach you uh useful things apparently no so <laughs> um i guess uh to kind of wrap up uh where can ev- well i guess everyone can only find you in one spot but <laughs> yeah well twitch you can well, see twitch my as well, twitch yeah. streams monday tuesday thursday friday i, t- I stream on twitch it's either uh twitch.tv slash phil that remains or twitch.tv slash all that remains uh mike martin our guitar player also streams on the uh, all that remains page a couple times a week um i am on youtube and on twitter and on minds and on what's that most so minds is a social media platform um it's oh, another bunch of them i've got a patreon all those things are fill that remains uh so just do a search of fill that remains on your uh your particular platform uh, of interest and i should be there just not on facebook and instagram so when TikTok. is your uh, when is your only fills uh, page coming out? No, there's not going to be an only fills. I, I already have the uh, the Patreon, so if I want to put up nudes, I can put them up on Patreon under a paywall. So, but you're Actually, not going to get nudes. You won't get. Them. I was trying to. I no, I guess Patreon probably backed off that too, didn't they? What's that about nudes? They, yeah, that you can post uh, content like that. I thought they also were trying to get away from that initially. Mm, I don't. Not that I'm aware of, but mm. fair I enough. Post nudes, so I don't worry about it. Well, you might be might be missing out on another yeah. avenue stream. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> All right. All right. Good talk. Yeah. <laughs> so that was my conversation with Phil Labonzi of All That Remains. Uh, again, 15 years of fall of ideals. If you go to their online store right now over at All That Remains Online, you will see that they have pre-orders for vinyl. Uh, the original copy uh, pressing is already sold out. Uh, they are now doing a pre-order for like a pink uh, variant, which looks really cool, and I might have to cop one of those. They have glow-in-the-dark uh, hoodies uh, with the Fall of Ideals uh, on it. Just a lot of stuff celebrating this this anniversary of this record. Um, I... <laughs> I really kind of love that I put my own foot in my mouth when I was like, oh, it was the first time working with Adam Dean. He's like, no, we did the record before with Adam. I was like, fuck, you're right. You you did. I forgot. Um, Adam Dean's done so fucking much. It's so hard to remember what he has and has not done. Uh, I think there was even a a recording of a band that was on uh, his brother Toby's label Devil's Head. Uh, and I forgot Adam recorded that too. Um, but I, sh- I should not be surprised because fucking Adam recorded almost everybody in the early 2000s, it seemed, <laughs> that had a, a landmark record. Um, and I really want to get Adam on eventually to, to talk about his producing career, even though I know he hates talking about himself and he doesn't really like doing press, quote unquote, in general. So who knows if that'll ever happen. But fingers crossed because he's the last person from Kill Switch Engage that I need to uh, get on the show and I'll have collected the whole band. Um, but Phil, going back to Phil, I loved the Adam D stories. Uh, I love that he even <laughs> sounds like Adam D at times. Went, oh, no, do it again. Like, so fucking funny. Um, I think that was one of the things that always that I always loved seeing in those DVDs. It's just everyone like, you know, like I said, you were so used to seeing Adam being kind of this, this larger than life person. So to then see Adam all of a sudden, very serious. And, and at the time, very dressed up and professional. And it was just like, wow, the, the, the Jekyll and Hyde nature of who you think someone is, but both of those are accurate representations of, of who Adam is. Um, 
Yeah, I loved that film, <laughs> all those stories. Uh, I can't wait for people's reactions to that. I think we're going to get a lot of uh, feedback and laughs about those those stories. I, I almost feel like that would be a great podcast, just a weird sidecast where it's just like stories of recording with Adam D. And like that's just a side podcast. Uh, I think that would be the stories you would hear and, and could have told would be great. Um, but all that aside, I'm going to start wrapping up this episode. I know this one was a bit longer. It was a little bit over an hour and a half, I believe. Uh, so we're going to get into all the plugs and the shills and all that kind of stuff. As you know, we do. Uh, so if you like keep up with all the remains, it is simple enough. Go to all the remains on Facebook and Instagram. Twitter is at ATRHQ, or you can just go to all the remains That'll be the landing page for everything. All the links to the socials, all the web- online web stores, tickets for the tour that they just announced for the fall of ideals, 15 years. Uh, if you would like to keep up with Phil, well, now he only has Twitter uh, at Phil That Remains. I think he said he had something else in the chat that's uh, not Facebook and all that kind of stuff. So uh, I don't remember what that was. But uh, if you go to Twitter, go to Phil That Remains, uh, you will see a link tree there. And it literally has a link to everything that Phil does, uh, including his Patreon, uh, which is at patreon.com slash Phil That Remains. And if you would like to support him also on Twitch, he Twitch, he Twitches. <laughs> If you'd like to support him on Twitch, he is on there Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time uh, doing vocal covers and a bunch of other stuff. So go support him doing a bunch of other things uh, as well because, you know, obviously touring came to a halt and this is another platform and an avenue for him to connect with fans. I will say the Patreon was actually pretty cool. There is a feature at, I think, $30, the $30 tier that you get guest listed to any All the Remain show. You don't get backstage or anything, but you get a free ticket. So... Um, that might be something of value on top of everything that he's already doing over there. And uh, if you'd like to keep up with this podcast, simple enough, BruceSpeakPod.com is our landing page for everything. We also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash BruceSpeakPod. Uh, thanks to our patrons right now, Sarah, Mark Tag, Craig, and Malcolm. I want to thank you all for uh, supporting the podcast. It has greatly helped start offsetting uh, some other things that we have going on and contributing to that. So very much thank you to that for supporting an independent podcast. And... For the Brutally Speaking Podcast, I am John, and we will be back where next week's episode is... Well, you know what? Honestly, I'm not entirely sure what it's going to be, uh, because I am working on getting somebody, and potentially, if that pans out, that is going to shift everything by at least a week, uh, but I'm not entirely sure. So, you may be getting that guest, or you're going to get Malcolm Brickhouse uh, of X uh, Unlocking the Truth, now of his own namesake. So I guess you're going to have to stay tuned for another week uh, on the podcast and find out who it ends up being. So until then, we'll talk to you later.